Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I am coming to you from Don't Buy Her Flowers HQ in Gloucestershire, um, where our warehouse is, and it's a hive of activity. Christmas is about a week away, and yeah, we're feeling it. It's really busy, but I love it when it's like this. Um, hopefully the team feel the same. But everyone's all right. Everyone's bringing in a lot of cake and biscuits for each other, and we learned a lot last year when we grew so quickly. Uh, so we're good, we're in control and we're taking Christmas orders up until the 23rd of December if you're in need of a thoughtful, gorgeous gift. And today's guest is Tamu Thomas. So Tamu is a wellness coach and somatic coach. And so she kind of looks at how your body and mental health are all linked and how that all works as one really. And she talks about toxic productivity and our inability to stop because we feel like if we do it, it'll all fall apart, which is, she links to never feeling very safe. Uh, and there's a 17 second practice that she recommends that you can do to kind of take in the good bits of your life, the ordinary bits that might help calm you. And we also talk about halfway through, we start talking about the mental load and relationships and that kind of juggle. So yeah, all really relevant, especially in this kind of busy, mad time and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me here. I am, um, I'm good, but I'm exquisite now that I'm seeing your wonderful exquisite. face, Steph. Yeah. Oh, well, same, same back <laughs> at you. Um, I just wanted to start with a little bit of background because one of the things, so I, on your Instagram profile, you're a well-being coach, right? So I get contacted quite often by coaches or, or people who are saying, you know, I'd love to coach you, especially in business. And then you look at their profile and they've never run a business in their life. So, and you're kind of like, oh, there's, there's a, lo a lot of people going into it. But actually, you're not only a qualified social worker, which you did for 15 years, mm -hmm. um, but also you're a somatic coach, mm -hmm. which I've need to know more about because I had, had to look it up I'll be honest with you but you've you've got you you know you're you're reading and understanding and all that stuff which is really invaluable because I, I think there's lots of people out there especially on social media who are saying oh you know giving advice but not necessarily qualified to give it mm. so tell me tell me a bit about you first let's start with that well up until starting school I was a bouncy, joyful lover of life, and I continue to be that person. But as I entered school and things started to get really, you know, about structure and being serious, I just um, encountered many messages about the way we should be humans. And I was, oh, I, that, that's, that's not how I human. I'm obviously humaning wrong. So I shape-shifted and conformed and assimilated as best I could to try and fit into all of that stuff. And it didn't serve me very well. Um, and then I was approaching my 40th birthday. And I don't know why 40 was always my magic number. I, I just thought, I'm going to turn 40 and I'm just going to be living my dream life. I'm going to be living on my own terms. I'm going to be living my best life. I'm going to be authentic. All these things we see banded around social media. And in fact, I crumbled. Um, I was deep in existential crisis, anxiety, panic attacks, depression. And um, I realized 
that because I was so busy trying to fit into what I thought life was supposed to be, I hadn't taken the time out to actually set myself up for this liberated 40. I hadn't done any of the things I needed to do to feel safe as me creating what I wanted to experience in the world. In fact, I didn't even know what I wanted to experience in the world. And, um, I had been a social worker. By the time I left social work, I had been doing it for about 16 years. I also had many experiences, lots of training, um, and my education to be able to become a social worker gave me lots of really not just practical, but evidence-based tools and strategies to be able to really begin to understand what my needs are, start to look after my needs and start to create a life where I begin to feel safe. And part of that was starting a business that actually suits who I am and contributes to my self-care rather than starting a business that I become a slave to. Let's get into toxic productivity because as a, like, how would you define toxic productivity? Toxic productivity is um, the mindset or the state of being addicted to being productive. It's not necessarily, it's not limited to the workplace, but work feels a lot of it, but it is an inability to do anything unless we can justify it as being productive. So we know those people, we go to their house, they can't sit down before you finish drinking your drink. They're clearing your drink away. They're asking you, are you okay? They're onto the next, onto the next. I would say it came with having a family, actually, like having kids. But I really struggle to stop because it feels like there's so much to do at all times. So, yeah, Doug, my husband, will say, I'll sit down. Like, say we've eaten and I can't sit down until the kitchen is cleared. And we have every, pretty much every night, I did say the other day, I was like, we've lived together now for 15 years. <laughs> That's a lot of meals. And we're still having the same conversation where I feel it has to be done and I've got to keep on top of it and everything because there's never any, it feels like time, there's never time. I don't, I can't, I can't fit what I need to do into a day. So therefore I have to be really productive to get everything done. I think that's why we need to slow down and we need to, and I'm not talking about like a permanent slowdown, but we need to have moments where we slow down and we take stock. We need to um, have moments where we reflect on who we've been being and whether or not that is who we want to be. Because if we're rushing around from pillar to post all the time, we never have a chance to feel. When we're rushing, rushing around from pillar to post, we pull all the energy up from our bodies and we're literally living in the very tops of our heads. And polyvagal theory teaches us that around 80% of communication within our bodies goes from body to brain. So 80% of our information comes from our bodies to our brain. And then 20% of what we have in our, what we have in our conscious minds comes from the 20% we're able to process. So, if so we is this are, linked to like your nervous system? This is linked to your nervous system. So polyvagal okay. theory is based on the vagus nerve, which I think is the 12th cranial nerve that goes from your brainstem right down to your cervix. And it mm. um, controls all of your vital organs. And um, the, 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 the fun, sexy part of the vagus nerve <laughs> is the ventral vagus part of the vagus nerve, which is the newest part, which is about our the way we connect as human beings. It's about um, feeling like we're in safety. It's about feeling like we're regulated. So <clears throat> Deb Dana, who um, comes from a social work background and has done a lot of work with polyvagal theory, teaching coaches, therapists, social workers, et cetera, how to use um, polyvagal theory in therapy. She talks about polyvagal theory being um, the science of connection or something like that. And she talks about um, uh, when we feel safe and regulated, we're in a state, a physical state, where we're able to take the risk of truly living. When we are operating in the very tops of our brains, running around from pillar to post, being really busy, we bypass our bodies. We end up using our bodies like they're a vehicle for our brain. So we're only mm -hmm. really paying attention to that 20% 
and we're not taking the risk of living. We're existing. We're not really taking risks. We're repeating patterns over and over again, hoping to create something um, something different. So toxic productivity comes into it because we get into Mm. a pattern of this is what we're told creates success and we're in repeat patterns of success in the hope that Mm. one day success will lead to satisfaction and the energy we use to create success is different to the energy we use to be feel safe in satisfaction. So what Mm. we deem to be success in developed nations is very much about sympathetic nervous system activity. So we really, really occupy lots of time and resilience. We're so resilient. We bounce back. We're resourceful. We always show up. We can do this. We can keep going. The wheels feel like they're falling off and we stick them back on again. I get knocked out, but I get up again and we repeat and repeat, we repeat. That's not safe. That is constantly feeling in a safe, in a state of escaping from running towards where satisfaction relies on us feeling safe it relies on us feeling safe to be still and smell the roses so to speak but because smelling the roses and feeling satisfaction gets confused with being complacent we worry that if we slow down if we take our feet off the gas we're going to lose everything like literally i work with people their their business is turning over a million They're paying themselves multi six figures. They live a really fantastic life, but they go, 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 go and feel unsafe to rest. And they don't want to stop and appreciate the satisfaction that's available to them because they think the moment they take their foot off the gas, they're going to be down the food bank. That and that feeling of pace. So I think that pace, that having to keep that pace is exhausting. And I think that's the fact. And when you throw in, not only with work, but you've got, kids and family and a partner or whatever else and you put all that together it's that I think there's a really good description in um it's a book by Bridget Schultz and she is a book called Overwhelmed and she talks about it's the best she describes that moment where you're in a car you're late to get somewhere you've got a kid to drop off you've just dropped your coffee in the footwell like you're an email's pinging in your boss is waiting for you to answer something and that feeling of fuck me, I don't even know, you know but you're going. And, and I and how often does everyone kind of feel like that? And then she describes it like, um, she calls it a ticker tape of overwhelm. So along the bottom of your brain or along the bottom of the screen, like on the news screen, mm-hmm. is that ticker tape of demands of stuff that you need to do, da, 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 like must remember to get the cat food, must remember that we're about to run out of bog roll, must remember that I haven't replied to that email about this and the payment for that needs doing it. And it's that how do you stop that noise because it 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 leads to you what linking back to what you're saying it leads to you not enjoying anything (laughs) like and and I think I I I think turning 40 definitely does something to you right where you kind of go oh I need to figure this out because I'm not I'm not in my 30s anymore I'm not young (laughs) anymore you don't have the stamina and I, well, and I, and I don't feel like I'm nailing it yet. It's that kind of feeling. And like I, when I, I had some counselling in the summer, because I'm feeling like that. And I think it didn't help. The pandemic hasn't helped, right? And that kind of pace, um, and all that stuff. So I think there's probably lots of people in the same boat. But when she was like, "What do you want from this?" I, I said, "I just want to enjoy it a bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm living, and I've got." I've got three lovely children. We've got a house and I've got a husband and the business is doing well and all of that stuff. And yet I don't feel like I'm ever enjoying it. Dr. Rick Hansen um, has a um, really beautiful, very somatic practice called taking in the good. And when you take in the good, you allow yourself to absorb the good in that situation, in that circumstance So you allow yourself to absorb the good you've shared living in a life that's pretty much nice, that's pretty much safe, a business that's doing well. So you pause there. There's no need to run off into the future, no need to run back to the past. You take a moment to be present with that. You allow yourself to drink that in. Um, He talks about visualizing your heart like a um, treasure trove. And that experience you're talking about is a jewel traveling into your treasure trove. So you feel that experience going into your heart. You take a moment to enjoy it. And as you're absorbing that moment, you allow yourself to feel like that moment is absorbing you as well. 
that's how we express the type of like Brene Brown level gratitude that she talks about, where you're really showing powerful or really allowing yourself to experience powerful cell changing gratitude. And I can't remember what the science behind it is, but it's something like if you do that for more than 17 seconds, it has uh, the opportunity to um, release feel good hormones like serotonin, oxytocin and all of that. If you do, even if you do that for 17 seconds, twice a week, regardless of the amount of time, the actual practice of doing that twice a week, even if you only did that for half of the year, that's, let's just say that's 25 weeks and that's twice a week you're doing that. That's 50 experiences of taking in the good of your life that you ordinarily leave on the table. Those 50 experiences, even if they are for 17 seconds, 20 seconds, they have a compounding impact. You start to get used to feeling good about the ordinariness of your life. And then you start to see that more and more moments emerge through your life that you're able to stop and enjoy. Well, because that's another big part of what you talk about, that kind of everyday joy and finding those moments. Because again, I think when you're running at a pace, you miss them. And I was thinking of something that you've said before about finding those moments. And it could be in, it's not, it's not the big stuff. It's not the holiday or the giant present or whatever else. It is the little things. And something that Doug always says, when one of us does something that really annoys the other, but it's something that we've, again, we've been doing for 15 years. So I always leave Apple Cores and Satsuma Peels in the car and it really bothers him and he would do something stupid with the dishwasher generally or leave his massive shoes in a really stupid place and we, we've started to say oh you'd miss this if I wasn't here which sounds a bit morbid but it's like some of them are behaviors that, we're not, that aren't going to change and he's and we're right like those things that become so monumental when you're tired and knackered from a kid and you've got nothing left, it's all logistics, you've got no actual conversation going on. Those things are things that you could find some joy in if you're just a bit less, in, in less of an intense place, if that makes sense. Something I talked about on Instagram recently, which um, people were very uh, engaged in, is don't leave joy on the table. If, if we slow down... Not every day, but if we slow down, there was one day I decided I was going to actually pay attention to the moments of joy. There, was, there were nine moments of joy that day that would have been left on the table if I hadn't said I'm going to see what that is. And they weren't massive, great big things. It was things like the clean sheets, which normally I jump into bed, oh, these, oh, these crisp sheets feel nice. But actually, when I allowed myself to really enjoy that experience, it was like, oh, gosh, yeah, these sheets feel really nice. I went to the supermarket and I bought that that washing powder and uh, it's money that I made. Stuff that came into my brain became something that is of service to people. They compensated me for it. And I'm able to go and buy washing powder that has created these great, wonderful sheets that I'm lying in that feel really nice. So, so where... Where has this come from? Because, and this is a, a big one, I think, this rewarding of a busy lifestyle. And you've t I know you talk about role modelling and what we've been modelled. And I suppose, is it something we've inherited from our parents, like from previous generations? Where, where is it coming from? Our parents teach us we have needs when we're little. One of the most obvious ones is using the toilet. We get potty trained. As soon as we're potty trained, the next task from that is to learn how to subdue that. So you go from whooping and cheering, yay, little Johnny's done a poo in the potty. Hooray, Samantha knows how to wipe her bum, to going into school where needing to go to the toilet is an inconvenience. And whilst I'm not saying kids should just be popping off to the toilet anytime they feel like it, as soon as you know what your need is, the next lesson is how to subdue that need. So from a very, very young age, we get taught that our innate human needs interrupt, interfere, negatively impact our ability to be productive, so we should shut them down. 
So then we enter into a life of not understanding what our needs are because we think they're inconvenient. So that washing up scenario, your need may be to sit down and have connection time with your family, but productivity will say, no, I've got to get that washing up done. I need to get that cleared away. And when that's done, then I'll be able to relax. But that's the age old, isn't it? Where you go, there's just, it's a busy week this week and next week. But then after that, then, then it's going to be, and that we've been saying that since 1997 <laughs> on, yeah, yeah. on a loop, just like, no, yeah. no, but, but in week after next. So now it's like, well, the run up to Christmas is really busy. But after that, then it's like, bullshit. Of course it won't be because we keep putting more stuff in. Yeah. Well, the, when we did the episode with Emma Reed Terrell, who's the psychotherapist about people pleasing, I had loads of messages from people saying that they loved last year because it took all the pressure off. And it's so interesting that, and yet, what are we doing now? We're going back into whatever we did pre. <laughs> where we, I'm sure there will be people who've slightly changed their plans, but you go back into, we must all get together and we must travel here and there, we must do that. And it's, yeah. Slow um, down. Check in. Mm, what was it mm. about last year you enjoyed? How can you carry mm. that forward so that can be a lifestyle? Steph, I used to be a social worker. That panic you were talking about, about in the car, you've got this, the emails are going, the phone calls. I'd have parents phoning me, effing this and this, that and the other. And mm. it wasn't uncommon for me and my colleagues to imagine joke and say like, sometimes we just wish we'd have just a mild car accident, just a little one, a little bit of whiplash. Yeah. So we had time off work and then uh, the pen I, dawned, I can make a different choice as mm. banana Rama and fun boy, Frankie sang, it ain't what you do. It's the way that you do it. That's a motto for life. So I encourage everybody to be bold, slow down and think, well, what do I want? All of these things, when I started asking myself, what do I want now? What's important now? It made a huge difference in how I moved through my life. Well, I think because I had COVID a few weeks ago and I was up prior to that point, I was feeling like I was on that hamster wheel and I didn't really know how to get off it. And it was like, well, I can't, st I can't stop. And it was working and then putting the kids to bed and then going back to work. So then I didn't sleep. I think I had about four months of probably getting four or five hours sleep a night because wow. I'd wake up, bolt upright at three or four and sometimes went back to sleep, but often not. Mm -hmm. We're just sort of racing head. Mm -hmm. And I knew what I needed to do, but for, I don't know why I couldn't stop myself. But then I had COVID and I had to, you know, laptop didn't get open for a few days. I was in bed for three and I was quite grateful for it. And it's like when you, I know people with young kids will say like going for a smear test feels like a spa day. <laughs> Literally. You have to, you're escaping. Yeah. You can read a magazine, like a, a magazine from 1998 in the waiting room. Yeah. But why do we not give ourselves that? What is that? Because we are, we should be in control. It's our own lives, right? So we should be in control. Of it. So how do we do, why do we not? And then also how do we stop our kids from doing the same? Well, number one, why do we not? We do not because we have been brought up to believe, unfortunately, like it's a really deeply entrenched, implicit, unconscious belief that we need to earn rest. We need to earn our care. So unless the wheels are falling off, it's really lavish and luxurious if you are taking time for yourself, especially as women, we're brought up to be martyrs. And you say as well, I think um, that we make self-care. So when we do take the self-care, it's a productivity tool. So we're doing it in order to make ourselves even more productive afterwards. So there's no actual pause, really. <laughs> we can rest by having meaningful connections with people that get us, people we feel safe to be our full selves with. We can have meaningful rest by moving our bodies in a way that feels good to us, that feels regenerative, that feels opening. I don't mean that like really going for it, escaping from stuff in the gym, but actually really mindfully moving your body as an act from, for, of love. There are so many ways we can be restful. There's a lot of power that can be gained from actually making the cup of tea or whatever beverage it is you're making and only make that beverage sit down and drink that beverage i mean uh, does anyone yeah it's like you boil the kettle right well that's 
two minutes. So Johanna typically Twitter. Can, yeah, or go to the loo. And while I'm doing that, I'll probably on be on Instagram. my phone. Isn't that mental? Yeah. And then you wonder why you go to bed and your brain can't switch off. Like, And then we oh wake God. up, that bolt up that you're talking about. I talk yeah. about waking up with the I'm gonna's and I'm gonna and I'm gonna and I've got to and mm. I'm gonna and mm. I'm gonna. When I wake up with the I'm gonna's, I don't do half of what I say I'm going to do. Mm. When I feel safe and rested and I'm working in a way that is a bit more planned, I do what I need to do because it's there. I'm not running away from something. I'm creating something. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, one of the things that you've, you've said on a podcast, you're talking about um, the role modeling and about what's been modeled to us. And it's interesting what you said about that kind of women as martyrs, because I feel like that's something it's like you, you, you've, you've, there's a resentment in there and we'll come on to that, but you're, you've got to do it. This is how you've got to model kind of abandoning oh, yourself. She's selfless. She does so much be, for her family. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. You can always count on her. Well, it's, and it's be so strong that you're hard, but you're also hard to yourself. And you said, um, it's keep going. Don't listen to anything that will slow you down because you're productive. And when you're productive, other people gain. And that's when you're a good person yeah. because you're useful. And I thought that was really interesting because there was an episode of um, Glenn and Dora's podcast and she was talking about overwhelm. And she was saying that part of the problem is when you are that person who organizes the family Christmas or you organize your girls get together or whatever it is, or all in your house and you're, you know, the primary carer who's doing all the organizing, the people around you start to see you as useful. So they don't actually want you to change your ways. <laughs> so it, if anything, they're kind of, it, it, they support, it might, if someone might say, oh, Oh, you should have a rest, but actually, they don't really want you to because you're you're doing all the things that mean that they can carry on in their way, and I and that's well, it's quite interesting <laughs> that you're yeah, you're kind of stuck. Then you are stuck, but that's not permanent. And the thing is, it's really incredibly hard because when you start to allow yourself to become curious about what your needs are and then you start to meet those needs one of the real truths and this is something there's not one of my clients that hasn't experienced this you start to change and your relationships with people start to change and you wake up to the fact that there are some relationships that may dissolve and there's nothing you can do to salvage those relationships and then there are relationships that will need to change 
and then people but it's incredibly hard because we're used to the people we're used to and we're used to playing roles in each other's lives but then the gap in between that when people start to realize that they have to they can't continue to abandon themselves and what they need in order to please other people. They start to realize they form real meaningful connections with people who accept them as they are, in fact, embrace them as they are, so they're able to be their real selves. And then having these transactional relationships that are based on, I play this role, you give me validation, and we make exchanges between um, transaction and validation. We can't service those anymore because we're no longer satisfied with momentary transactions, momentary attention, because what we really want is connection. And if that means that we've got connection with three people, as opposed to transactional relationships with loads of people, you get to a point where you're like, Do you know what, for my nervous system, for me to feel safe inside my body and inside my life, I can make a choice to honour my need for safety, or I can continue to play this role, I can build resentment, and every once in a while, I can explode with rage. People will say, I don't know what happened. I don't know where that came from. Oh, she's having... Um, I remember a friend of mine, her family would say, oh, she's what? She's, oh, she's having a paddy. She's having a paddy. She'll be all right in a minute. She wasn't. She was exasperated. She was frustrated. She was incredibly angry. But then because she felt like she had no choice, she conformed back to that role until the resentment built up again and, and she had to explode. We need to become bold and courageous enough to, us, to see ourselves as valuable enough to have the relationships that allow us to be who we are. So, I mean, going back to social media, you talked about when you, it's a classic uh, Tamu line, when you really like being liked, your capacity to mug yourself off yep. is huge. <laughs> I like being liked. Yeah, so we all do. I love being liked. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real, real, real genuine thing until I realized how much I was mugging myself off in order for momentary like. And when you pause and you stop a moment, oh, right. So my need to be liked and me performing for you to like me, what I didn't realize that was about is that I need to like me. If I start to like me, it's not that I'm not going to need you to like me because we're human beings. We're built for connection. We're the most pro-social creatures on this planet. I actually need you to like me, but I'm not going to burden you with me performing for you to like me because I'm going to like me. But the all of social media is based on people liking you. And even if that's because you go against you know, even if it's because you say something really rebellious or you say something really wild, you're still wanting people to like you. It's a need for what we're not giving ourselves. I want to read something, actually. So this is about abandoning yourself. Oh and this gosh, is one of those go. posts. Yeah, this is this is one of those posts, though, that I read it and was like, oh, bloody hell. Um so um, abandoning ourselves to care for others makes us lonely and reduces our capacity to truly give and receive love. It's a pattern that's incredibly hard to identify because it's a sophisticated shapeshifter that can provide immediate gratification and at times makes us feel righteous, which mm -hmm. comes back to the kind of martyrness, martyrdom. Um, and then self-abandonment so that we can caretake can easily be mistaken for kindness and make us perceive ourselves as good people, even if our somatic experience, so I guess what your body is doing, mm -hmm. tells us otherwise. And then you said resentment, frustration and feeling undervalued anyone. And I added rage to that. Yes, because, thank you. <laughs> because so in particular, this made me think about when my kids were smaller or smallest, you know, it was giving and giving and giving all the time, physically and emotionally, because at that point I had very little confidence in myself as a mum. So it wasn't only the physical needs, it was the emotional needs as well. Like if they seemed unhappy, oh my God, I'm doing this all wrong. I'm doing a terrible job. And then I would feel frustration, resentment and rage, mostly directed at my husband because he was the only other person there and that was really hard but I, I did abandon myself I completely lost who I was at that point we are loud about feminism on social media but that feminism doesn't extend to our homes and we have this implicit belief that particularly when the uh, children are small it's our job 
and to a lesser or greater degree, the partners add, the male partners add. So what I find when we are in that really deep, necessary abandonment, because sometimes it is necessary to meet the needs of very demanding children, not because they're demanding, but because the age and developmental stage they're at requires it, we don't speak up. And when we do speak up, we're nagging. And I'm not saying this as criticism. I'm saying this as we need to practice the vulnerability of stating our needs before the needs mm -hmm. become angry. Yes. So we need okay. to develop the art of being able to say to particularly women, to male partners, mm -hmm. when this happens, maybe it's because of my stuff. Maybe it's because of what happened in my childhood. Maybe it's because of the argument we had two Tuesdays ago. But when this happens, my reaction is this. So when I identify that, I need to be able to share that with you. And rather than us getting into a set two about who's wrongest, rightest, us look at how we can support each other. Mm -hmm. But that feels very, very vulnerable, especially because we've got this notion that we should be able to do it. We should have it. We should be able to have this down pat. Well, I think down, going back to the role modeling thing, this I think we're we're basically like guinea pigs where what we were role modeled was, it was a much more traditional, in, in, especially if you're talking about, I don't, I guess more so in heterosexual relationships, but we were modeled that the female partner did, was the primary carer. They did do uh, you know, all the organizing. And mm -hmm. with that now, that comes to, you know, buying the presents for the party, mm -hmm. getting the food in, all that stuff. And then we, we were modeled that and we tr still try and do that. Like I, I, if someone says to me, oh, we, we're 50-50, I just don't believe them yeah, because I know absolutely. in nearly, well, in every relationship I know, they're not. Mm -mm. Um, and it will quite often be the bloke that says we're 50-50 and she's behind the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the the that balance is important. It's really hard to achieve, but also we are we are working and taking on more and trying to be equal in in terms of work or balance, whatever, but we're still doing all the primary care. So we've got we've been modelled one thing, and we're still trying to do that. But we're also trying to do the other thing, which is to be that we are equal and we can both do this. And it's not my role to be primary care. And it it's so mismatched. And I think I'm in actually probably in relationships I know where they're much more traditional. It looks almost easier because there's less conflict. It might be that she is completely dissatisfied. It might be that she's not. I don't know. But it's it's really difficult to know how to do that. And, and Doug and I, will talk. we talk about it quite a lot. And I've made him listen to podcasts and stuff where they've talked about it because otherwise it does just feel like me moaning yeah. and saying. And, it, and to explain how that feels is really difficult. But if you've chosen to have a traditional relationship a, a, a dynamic in that mm. heterosexual relationship in that the man goes out to work, he's the provider mm -hmm. and the woman takes care of the caring stuff. That's very mm -hmm. different to the man and woman going out to um, create a living and mm -hmm. still the woman doing the majority of the caring. And what that yeah. requires is us to be bold enough to be able to have the conversation, like really be conscious it, it doesn't matter if this is the way things have always been in your relationship, actually start to have those conversations and say, what does your week look like? This is what my week looks like. There are, so you've got three children, three different age groups. You could very well at some point in time when this uh, pandemic jogs on and leaves us alone will that ever happen we don't know um, but you could have a situation where you've got three parties on one mm -hmm. day so mm -hmm. if you're having a conversation we both go out and work we both have all of these things going on we're both human beings and we're human beings with children these are the three parties that are going on we need three presents this one needs an outfit this one says dress in red which ones are you going to do which ones am I well, going to do the other thing that I think is discussed a lot about the mental load is I don't want to give Doug those instructions, right? So I want him to have the same brain as me. 
and figure it out because otherwise I'm giving him the list. I'm already doing the work. And this is the biggest conversation I'd say that we're repeatedly having, but we are getting somewhere, which is, so for example, I'm not going to, if you're going to do the food shop, you're going to do the food shop. You're going to look in the cupboard. You're not just going to do a repeat of last week's food shop, which has happened. And I have nearly killed him. <laughs> He's literally eight bananas. Yeah. <laughs> idiot no and and then it's that have it it's it's following through to do the whole job so identifying right we need a shop we need to do it on that day i'll book it i'll book it so that it arrives when i'm there because it's really annoying if it book if it's booked to arrive when he's not there because it's like well again you haven't completed the no, whole because then you're doing the putting away and whatnot yeah I'm putting away um and it's unexpected so suddenly it turns up so i think it's but it's it's a big ask so i suppose maybe we have to be a bit gentle with ourselves in that it is such a shift from where our parents were absolutely and we are constantly having these conversations and Doug is a good guy. You know, he is open to these conversations completely, but sometimes he slips into more traditional role and I slip in, I still slip into more traditional role, but then I'll suddenly battle against it. So it almost, it's, it makes it quite, um, what's the word erratic, you know, mm-hmm. like, so for example, we got to half term and he ha- he just, it just hadn't even crossed his mind. Like there was going to be a week. We both work full time and two of the kids were going to be around and it just hadn't crossed his mind. And I lost my shit and I lost my shit for like two weeks. I stayed angry. And I remember someone sort of saying, you probably need to get over that now. Like half time was gone. We were into the net. And I was like, but it was, it made me so cross. And it's not, it's not his fault in some ways. Like I don't, and he apologized he was like no you're right I just didn't think about it didn't it didn't cross my mind and he spoke to some friends who were like oh you know my partner does all of that so he's kind of battling I'm asking him to battle against what lots of people around him are doing but for us to work we need to do that so I'm just I guess I'm just saying it's quite hard (laughs) it's hard the wheels are always going to fall off we're never Um, you know, it's like one of the many things in life that is like a horizon. You never, ever get to the horizon, but you can constantly Mm -hmm. work or you can constantly walk towards it. And it's about us women reframing this. It's not about us creating a dynamic or entering into a dynamic where we're constantly giving instructions. Mm -hmm. It's training. And you need to Mm -hmm. take that training and learn to apply it. And and learning it ourselves, I think, because otherwise we, you want it done a certain way, right? So then you end up going, oh, well, they, they can't just do, do it. it. In the, you know, yeah. Yeah. And again, you kind of have to accept like, so Doug organized Buster's party. They did laser tag. He organized it. He did the WhatsApp. He got all the parents on there, checked they could come, booked it. When I stayed home with the other two kids and I was such a bitch about it the whole time because I kept saying, have you sent, have you told them all to bring water bottles? Have you told them? And he was just like, he, I wasn't even on the WhatsApp. So I didn't know what was being communicated and it felt really uncomfortable. Control. The party happened. Yeah. The party happened. The kids had an amazing time, but I, a few women I spoke to around that time were like, oh my God, I couldn't have done that. And it's like, so we can't want that. And not be willing to let go. But they're going to do it. Dif- they're going to do it differently, yeah. right? He did. He did it completely differently to me. It was slight chaos. All these kids arrived. Some of them had eaten. Some of them had like that kind of stuff. But it was like no one they died. Had a good time. No one. No one died. They, I mean, and they had a great time. So, yeah, I think it's. And I'm not. I'm not trying to put it all onto us again because I don't. I know we don't need more on our load. But it's real shift in your mindset. We've got to learn to take responsibility for ourselves and allow other people to take responsibility for themselves. So mm-hmm. when I hear women say things like, um, I used to do um, well-being sessions for Mush Mums, which is an app for, young, uh, well, most of the women on there had young families. And there would be all of this stuff he doesn't wipe the he doesn't wipe the surfaces down properly, so I just do it. He doesn't hoover properly, so I just do it. In the greater scheme of things, does it matter if there is still a crumb in the corner of the living room because he didn't hoover that part? 
like in the grander scheme of things, we need to stop being so controlling because when we're trying to control, what is really going on is we feel we feel unsafe. So we're trying to find a way to make ourselves feel safe. But instead of doing the thing that really needs to be done, it's like we're trying to control mist. You can't. If we actually have those challenging conversations that make us feel like we're clenching our butt cheeks and only sitting on one bum cheek and, you know, our pelvis feels like it's a walnut because we're clenching so hard. We need to have those conversations and those conversations need to look like, I need you to do this properly and responsibly and you need to tell me what you think properly and responsibly is so I'm not making an assumption and judging you by my standard, when we can start to, like, it's, it's about really being conscious in your relationship and not expecting, not just your relationship with your romantic partner, but in general, let's stop expecting people to just know. Let's tell them what we need. The result of that is as well, when, when we are working as a team, you're obviously, everyone's calmer, you get on better, you're more likely to have sex. Everyone wins. And your children <laughs> see yeah. you yes. two working together. Not any of this people pleasing pretending stuff. They can they can hear the negotiation. Oh right. So to get so the message they internalize, to get what we want, we talk about it honestly and we negotiate. We don't wait and let it fester and become resentment. Then it pops off in an argument because poor mum is always doing all of this stuff and dad never does it because mum's telepathy isn't working and dad is just ignoring so that he can get away with not doing. And that's a really easy narrative as well to slip into, I think, where it's like, oh, poor mum. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor mum's wrong. And then you're just showing them again. You're just being martyr, right? Yeah. So then you're just showing them yeah. again that kind of modelling that, Oh, I've abandoned myself completely in order to do, yeah. And it and it sits uneasy sometimes because you have to like I travel back and forth to my warehouse in Stroud, and Frank, when I'd been and it, especially during the pandemic, and Frank at one point said, "You have two homes, don't you, Mum?" Right? This is he was fucking three years old, <laughs> and he, because I wasn't I wasn't always there. He was saying I had two two homes, and I could have chosen to be devastated because. You know, it was like, oh, God. And I only go for one night, just to be really clear. And Doug, for the previous 10 years, has travelled loads for work. He's not now, but he travelled loads, sometimes away for three, four nights, whatever. And no one had ever commented on the fact that Dad wasn't around. Life just carries on. But they do with me. And I've just had to go into my head and go, that's okay. Don't don't let that be the, you know, turn into guilt mm-hmm. and everything else. Because actually when I'm not there, their dad is there. We don't, we're not both away at the same time. Unless it's like, you know, a trip up for the two of us. So it just was really interesting that he, at three years old, he's seen enough kind of, he's had enough conditioning or whatever yep. to think that when mum's not here, mum's left us. Yep. When dad's not here, we don't even bloody notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's yep. a big thing. I think, I suppose the thing that it's a big thing. So the whole mum guilt thing, which just drives me insane, is it, you're, it's a big battle to, you've, you've really got to go into your own head to go, like, what am I comfortable with? What am I okay with? And Because... Um, Zoe Blasky on her Mother Kind podcast. Yeah. I remember her saying that we use the term mum guilt when actually it's mum shame. So it's insidious. We keep quiet about it. We're ashamed to really talk about it. Do you know what? There was a brand that posted, I'm not going to name them, but a brand that posted, um, uh, oh yeah, I've got it because I, I thought this could come up and it was a brand posted on Instagram, a, a quote saying, mums be like, I can't wait to get out of the house and have some me time, only to spend the whole time apart worrying and missing their child so much they come home and make up for lost time. This is me, guilty. And it's like, wait, what if brands are allowed to just be saying that? Obviously, it's a brand that work with, that do stuff for kids. But it's just like, that's such horseshit. Like, you're telling us that if we have time on our own, we have to feel guilty for it. And that if that's just trotted out like on an Instagram post by a brand, 
that is in our heads so much the, to the point that if you have a smear test, that's me time. I mean, come on. <laughs> and, and I remember in the pandemic, people going to Tesco, the spa, Tesco spa or yeah, the supermarket. And when that's trotted out, just like that, those mm-hmm. of us, so there are people that will identify with that. And those of us that don't identify that might be feeling guilty for not having the guilt that they were talking about. Oh, well, I, I, I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, guilt for not feeling guilt. Yeah, and then go. Should I? Should I feel guilty? Oh, God. and it, oh my god! Like you need that going in your head. <laughs> Thank you, Tamu. It's been lovely to talk to you. Where can people find you, or is there anything specific you want them to know about you? You can find me on the playground that is Instagram at <laughs> Live Three Sixty, um, and I love words, as you can tell. So it's L I V E T H R E S I X T Y, and even with all of my long form, this, that, and the other, Instagram is the playground that I'll be sharing those things on. So when this podcast comes out, I may still have places on my beautiful sovereign group coaching experience. So check me out on Instagram, tap the link in my bio. If there are spaces, you'll find information about it there. Um, and yeah, generally find me on Instagram. That's where I, I hang around in, in that playground. And I wish you all a very merry, grounded Christmas. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you've got anything you want to email or um, you can leave me a voice note at podcast at don'tbuyherflowers.com. But yeah, thank you, Tamu. Here's to a, yeah, a more chilled Christmas, please. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.